he felt a tap on his boot. He ignored it at first, but then he felt many small taps. He looked down and saw a squirrel. The animal, the small animal looked up with longing eyes. He realized he was eating from a small bag of mixed nuts he had in his pocket. Well, he put out some nuts and handed them to the animal. The man named it Tapper. Each time the man would go to the bridge, Tapper would race down the tree and tap the man's feet. Each time, Tapper would get a feast of nuts and dried fruits. People who chanced to walk by smile in surprise to see the relationship between the two. Have you ever gotten a tap in church? Have you had a tap on your heart to respond to an offering appeal? Is God tapping on your heart right now to support the church budget ministries that taught the lives of the people in your community? If you feel the tap, tape out your mix of bills and coins and hand them over with joy because you are touching the lives of others. This morning, listen to the taps of the Holy Spirit and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk in it, when it turned to the right hand and when it turned to the left. Isaiah 30, 21. Today, offerings uh, is covered the local church expenses. So I want to remind you that uh, uh, our offering box is in the back of the church and you can leave your offering there when you leave the sanctuary. I invite you now to pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your love and care. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to take care of your house. Please bless us the offering, bless the offerings, and help us to be obedient to your, to you, giving back the titles with joy in our hearts. Help us to feel always our, your presence in our lives. That we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning and happy Sabbath. I invite you to open your Bibles with me so we can read together our scripture reading for this morning, which is found in the book of Mark, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. That would be Mark, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And the word of God says, Then he appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out demons. Amen.
there. We're good. Good morning. Happy Sabbath Church once again. Good morning to those who are coming for the first time to our church. Welcome to our wonderful visitors and our guests. I see new faces and I just want to tell you that God is happy as you're here. I hope you get that opportunity to meet with him, to have a special encounter with Jesus this morning. Thank you for coming with us. I forgot to mention while we were doing the announcements that the location for our potluck has been moved due to the uh, storm we had last night. So today, right after church, we will have our potluck here at church, at the youth room. So if anyone goes to the washroom, which I'm not suggesting you should go right now, but if you were to go, you will feel the hallways with this special smell, which will definitely tell you to stay. I hope nobody leaves. We have enough food for everyone. So this is a place for you to stay and, and to also socialize with brothers and sisters. We have the menu for today. Should I tell the menu? Some of you didn't get breakfast and probably going to get too distracted with what we're coming to eat. But we will have some delicious haystacks. And I made a special Mexican haystack recipe. So if you want to try it, you should stay. Uh, I think it's, it's, a good, it's a good time for us to, to stay and mingle. So that's for you to, to, uh, to consider as well. But today we have a message that I believe it is a very relevant message because the title of it is called Our Highest Calling. I mean, we get tons of material from different places telling us what the purpose of our life is. If you were to look into some of our libraries and, and some bookshelves about purpose living and about uh, determining the future of one, you will see that there are millions of books written out there about what you're supposed to be doing in today's time. And they all have good meanings and they all have good intentions. But I believe our highest calling comes from the Lord. And I believe he would be the one to tell us what are we are supposed to do in today's time. So this message is for you and it's for me. Remember that I, when I come to church, I always say we have two types of audiences. One active audience and one passive audience. The active audience is the one that engages with the sermon, that makes notes, that writes, that asks questions. Maybe not to the public, but at least put it down on a paper so you'll go home and study more. And that's an active audience. That's an active audience. That's a person that is trying to grow as they come to church. Because basically this is in a school and we are all in a process of growing and learning. But the passive audience is more about coming to church, having a good time, enjoying, which is also good. I'm glad you're here, but it does no good to you. Because at the end of the day, you go home and you are asked, so what was the sermon about? Well, it was good. I, I pay attention. I tell you I didn't sleep, but I don't remember. I, I can't remember what it was about. I just don't, I don't know. Maybe I was busy. I was thinking of something else. My mind was somewhere else. Well, in order for us to be active listeners, to be an active audience, First of all, we need to ask God to send his blessing on us. I mean, you came here this morning to have a meeting with Jesus. That's the, the main reason why you're here. Yes, you could be here because of the potluck, which is going to be awesome. Or, or you could be here because you just had nowhere else to go. I mean, other places were closed or somehow the, you were dragged out of bed and they brought you here. And that's why you're sitting here. But I hope 
that within your heart, deepest of your heart, your biggest desire is to have an encounter with Jesus. And that's why we're here today. So before we open the word and we start our, our, our sermon this morning, I would like to ask you to pray with me. So we may ask for God's presence upon his study, upon his word. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for giving us such an opportunity to be with you. What a blessing. We're not worthy of your presence, Lord. But in your love and your grace, you love to be with your creation, with your creatures. You love to mingle with us. You love to call yourself our brother. Lord, we want to ask you to please show us the way. May you speak to our hearts and tell us directly what we need to do in today's time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The message for today is for you and for me. I mean, it, it is, as I mentioned, we're so confused in today's time. What a Christian is looking like. How he should dress. Uh, what kind of food he should eat. What places he should visit. How who should she or he would speak. And, and, and we get determined by so many uh, checklists out there saying, well, if you want to be called a Christian, you need to do A, B, C, D. And if you don't fit that criteria, you're not a Christian. In fact, we tend to judge people according to how they see themselves, how they look, how they talk, how they act. And, and it's just hard because we have so many varieties out there. Uh, I was just reading, uh, I won't say his name because I can't remember his name, but his last name is Blackaby. Uh, spiritual, Henry, Henry Blackaby. Uh, moving into God's agenda. And one of the challenges he, he talks about, about leading a church in today's time, is the diversity of the church. Back in the day, you would preach before an audience that was basically one culture or one group of people. But in today's time, our, grow, our globalization and our world has grown that big that when you preach to an audience, you're not only reaching the people who are sitting here on the pews, but you're reaching so many others that are on the internet, basically worldwide. By the, by, by the way, welcome to those who are online today. Thank you for being with us today as well. And, and, and just the diversity of people makes the church to struggle to understand what's the calling of the church. He talks about the three biggest challenges we face as a church in today's time when it comes to moving ourselves into God's agenda. Number one, he talks about technology. And he says, well, technology nowadays is moving at such a pace that even if you were to try to keep yourself up to date, you couldn't make it. Meaning that pastors not only need to know how to preach from the word, but they need to know how to use these devices sometimes. And they need to know how to use that device. And now we have cameras at the church. Who would have thought we would have cameras at the church? We would only see that on, on, on the screens back in the day. Talking about 40, 50 years ago, the, more we, the, the most we would have maybe would be a, a, a radio or a cassette player. Things have changed. And as technology moves... Our way of, of, of being Christian has also shifted. We used to come to church with a Bible on our hands. Now we come to church with what? A cell phone on our hands. Things have changed. And, and, and in fact, 
companies that are dedicated to technology and, and, and call themselves technology companies, most of their income is always in, in, in invested in evolving and trying to just keep up with technology. Some of your fields, some of your professions nowadays have pushed you to either grow into technology ways or retire or move to a different field or discontinue your area. That's the conditions we are on in current times. In fact, our church was shifted from previous year to have an accommodation of a church like this to now think about an online church as well and soon Sabbath school. Within a year, we were able to make changes that probably, if it wasn't because of the conditions of the world, it would take us another 10, 15 years to do. In fact, we are late to those changes. We're not only trying to keep up with, but we are very behind. Because we should have done this probably 10 years ago. While we saw things were changing. But this is the current conditions we are facing today. As Christians, we don't like changes. Uh, Christianity is one of those groups, that part of the culture that likes to stay the same way. Because that's how I was taught. I was raised. And I was always, uh, it's always been done like that. Some years ago, I visited a youth leader. And I said, what if we were to move the youth to do things here and there, to go out and to do this type of uh, uh, outreach? And what would, what would happen if we were to gather our youth from the city and, and try to get things going this way and that way? I was, I was surprised. I was, uh, I was just discouraged when that person said, well, we did it already. I said, yes, you did it. When? I, I, I didn't know. I, I haven't heard. Well, it was done 10 years ago. And I said, well, when you talk about youth and when you talk about moving youth to work, it's either on a constant pace or it's gone. 10 years ago, those children were probably in primary or kindergarten. And right now they're teenagers or, or the young adults. And 10 years have passed and their whole life has changed. Maybe for you and I, which are probably 30 and all, we say 10 years is just yesterday, but for a young person, 10 years is his lifetime. It's everything he knows. And our church, the biggest issue right now, one of the biggest issues it's facing right now is technology. It's, it's moving itself. It's improving. It's keeping itself up to date. And when you share with someone the Bible, you, you now have people with their Bibles at their hand. And when you are preaching, and I'm talking about leaders now, elders, preachers, when you are preaching, you're not only preaching from the Word. Back in the day, a, a, a preacher would take time to prepare his sermon. He would take weeks. To prepare a good sermon. And no one in town would be able to defy his authority. Because he owned the biggest library at home. But now. The preacher is doing something here. While everybody's googling to see if what he's saying is right or not. And you could have the, 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 the freshest facts at your hand. While you're sitting at the pews. Back in the day. I mean, these are the benefits of technology and, uh, and the consequences of technology. You would get an email uh, or a letter, and it would take you two, three, four weeks to reply, which meant that you had time to think about what you were going to say. 
talking about having time in, to, in current times. You would have time to pray, to, to, to actually understand your response. And everybody would be okay with it. Why? Because we knew post office will take three to four weeks to come back with the mail. But in current society times, you get an email, and how much time do you have to reply to that email? Two or three minutes. You get text messages, and they're expecting you to reply right away. Isn't that true? Challenges that we're facing in current times. And you see people running companies, CEOs running companies, and, and as soon as they come out from one plane, they turn on their phone, and how many text messages come in? 10, 15 of them, and they have to reply to each one of them before they board onto their next plane. And that happens to you too. As soon as you go off the grid in, in, in our surrounding communities where you don't have signal, as soon as you come back, you start getting all these emails, all these text messages, and everyone is expecting to, from you to reply within minutes. Because that's how fast our world is moving. And sometimes we think about what's my calling from God. In technology has been a very good resource. It has helped us to reach out to many other people that we were never able to reach. But it has also enslaved us to the point that you have no day off without a cell phone on your hands. How many of you can turn your, your cell phone off while you are on your day off? Man, we have some brave ones here. <laughs> we have some survivors. But it's not easy. I was just recently asked, do you turn your cell phone off when you are on your day off? Said, no way. The world might, might, might be destroyed and I'm not aware of it. Talking about trying to save the world, pastors and leaders, right? But this is the conditions that we're facing. Globalization, second area where he says about how things we are we're, we're working on moving and Everything is so connected in, in many ways. I mean, you can have a little store here in town, but you could be selling all the way in Europe, and you could be sending your products all the way to the other city and, and another country, and that has happened through globalization. Yesterday, I was passing through MacLeese Lake. For those of you who haven't gone around that area, I was surprised that I was on my phone trying to reach somebody, and then I see 5G network. I'm like, how is it that they have 5G network at MacLeese Lake? Awesome, interesting. We are connected in such a way that if you go to McLeese Lake, your internet right now is much faster than here. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Our world is moving at such a pace. But now I want to bring you to what Jesus says and what he did. Because with all these changes and with all this requiring our attention on a regular basis, we might get lost of who we are and why we are here. To some of us, this is probably the one, two, or three hour a week that we actually sit down to listen to somebody. I mean, yes, we can sit down to, to, to Netflix or, or a show or, or a soccer game or whatever you like, but to actually pay attention to someone while they're speaking, maybe this is the first time you do it throughout the week. We just can't stand still. Now the Bible talks about Jesus praying all night long. I mean, Jesus is about to start one of the biggest challenges ever performed 
in the history of the universe to establish a church, to establish the leadership, the, the leadership of the church, to, to, to bring people together from different backgrounds. I mean, talking about character differences, completely different one from another. And, and Jesus is about to start this big task. But before he does anything, he goes to pray all night long. And as he's praying, he's asking for guidance and for the advice of the Father on who he's going to choose to be his disciples. Because he chose them. He called everyone and he, can, and he accepts everyone to come unto him. Whoever comes unto him, he does not despise them. He does not reject them. But he called 12 of them. In fact, he only called 11. The 12th one basically came by his own means. But he did not reject him though. Come with me to Mark chapter 3. It's been a great day. Jesus has been working. He has been preaching. He has been healing. In fact, the Bible says that they were so busy that day that Jesus told the disciples, get a boat ready. And, and let's get closer to the lake, to the shore. Because as soon as we get a, a window, we're going to have to leave. It was just overwhelming. The multitudes will come to Jesus from various parts of the city and the country just to find themselves the solution they needed for their lives. Some of them were there because they were needing to be healed. Some of them wanted to listen to his words. In fact, he's about to preach one of the greatest sermons, which is the Sermon of the Mountain. He's about to preach that big service, that big sermon. But before he goes on to do that, he went to pray all night long. And then the next morning, as the disciples are waking up, very early in the morning, chapter 3 of Mark, verse 3. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself, what does it say there? Wanted. And they came to him. Oftentimes I hear people saying, well, I came to Christ because I wanted to come. No. You came to Christ because God wanted you to be here. He has called you by your name. You're not here by coincidence. You're not here because somehow you had not, nothing else to do today and, 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 and you end up at church. You are here because God called you by your name. And you are one of those specific people that were able to listen and, and, and came to that calling. But it's so interesting that Jesus is about to start his ministry and he is calling 12 individuals. Some authors have said that if you were to analyze the character of each one of the disciples, you would find yourself fitting within the criteria of those characters. Meaning that all of us would be represented on the character of the disciples. And today we will get the time to, to, to study and to view a little bit of some of them. We can't go over the 12. But there are some that I really feel like I can get connected to them. I, I can definitely see myself related to, to one of, those, to one of the, the disciples in more than one area. And the Bible continues on to say on verse 14, Then he appointed 12. And the reason he appointed them goes on to, to explain and says that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. 
The first reason why Jesus called the twelve was for them to be with him. So write it down. The first object, the first work, the first responsibility, my first task as a believer, as a Christ follower, as someone who calls himself Christian, is to be with Jesus. That's it. If we were to close the sermon right now, this would be over. This would be enough for you to understand that the calling that you received from God was not to be a church board member. And some of us love to be on the board. And some of us despise to be on the board with hatred. It's not to be on the reflector of the masses. It's not to be the boss. I'm with the master. The job that we were called to do is to be with Jesus. Talking about privileges. The privilege to be with Jesus. There was a study done. And as I said, you guys got the facts on your hands. But this study was done back in 2007. And it showed the question was, if you were to win the lottery in today's uh, time, a million dollars or as much money as sometimes they win, would you leave your job or would you stay doing what you're doing? And there was a 60% that said, I will leave right away. You will never see me coming back to that job. Another 30% said, I would consider probably work part-time, probably change careers. And only 10% said, no, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I would stay. If you were to be asked that same question right now, if I was to hand you, and, and this is just an example, a million dollars right now, would you sign your letter of resignation today from whatever you're doing at work, or would you stay? Well, 10 million. I mean, a million dollars is only taking you halfway, but what about 10 million? You get 10 million right now, you can do whatever you want with them. You don't have to pay taxes on them. Um, and you get that amount of money. Would you stay at your work or would you leave? Just think about it. And the study showed that North America was completely unhappy or the majority of people were so unhappy with what they were doing that all they were doing it for was because of the paycheck. I'm here because of the money. That's it. As soon as I get my 40 hours and I get my paycheck, I'm done. Whatever happens to the company, whatever happens to the job site, whatever happens, I don't care. I got paid. My money's in my pocket. I'm done. 60% of them. But now, that reality that it's been on, on surveys also affects the church. It also transpires into the activity of the church community. Yes or no? Of course it does. And when you talk about being a Christian, some of us are just there on the surface. I mean, don't talk about staying another five minutes, Pastor, because come on, you know we have lunch at 12. 
work. What do you mean about coming on Wednesdays? Seriously, we are not in the old days. I mean, we have lives to live. Just because of the blessing. As soon as I get the blessing in, I'm done. Forget the rest. Only 10% of Americans were happy doing what they were doing at their jobs. They were for fulfilling their purpose in life. They felt that their work was giving them a purpose. In fact, in today's time, if you are to hire people, you are not hiring them because of the salary you're paying them. This is something that has changed with the millennial uh, uh, generation. You cannot bring them to work because of the money they're going to get paid. They come to work because they find fulfillment and, and, and experience and, and purpose on what they're doing. You don't believe me? Look around the job postings that are out there right now. People don't want to work. But it's not that they don't want to work. I mean, some of it has to do with not wanting to work. The problem that the leaders, which is the previous generations right now, don't understand is that in, unless they find a purpose for them to be at work, they won't, they won't stay. I just read a, a, a letter yesterday that Apple is telling its employees to come back to work. And a lot of them have resigned because they said, we want to stay at a home office. If you require us to come back to work three days a week, we will leave. And a lot of them are signing the resignation letters just because they don't want to come back to work at the office. They want to stay home, which is none of my business. I don't deal with that. But I can tell you, doesn't matter how, much you're, how many zeros you're getting paid, unless you feel that you are being valued, that your, your experience has been uh, valued and, and you've been fulfilled, you will not stay at that place. 60% of Americans did end up staying because that was the only way they could bring a check to their home. But if there was something else that would bring them fulfillment to it, they would leave it right away. What about Christianity? What about us as, as believers? Why are we with Christ? Why do we come to church? I mean, it's what I was taught when I was growing up. My parents, the community, that's where I've been going past for the past 40 years. Where else do I go right now? What else can I do on a Sabbath? That's all I know what to do. Or the lake. But basically those areas. But is it truly bringing you fulfillment to your life? We have to evaluate our condition. And understand where, where we are. But let me tell you, when Jesus called the 12, he called the 12 not for any other reason that you could think of. The only reason why he called the 12 was, number one, for them to be with him. And I want to evaluate myself and ask, have I been with Jesus these past days? Because if I so call myself a Christian and I'm not spending time with him, something is so wrong. That's why you got some people so confused. They say, well, what do you mean you're a Christian, but you act this way, you talk this way, you, you treat people this way. It doesn't make any sense because if you're walking with him, you learn to talk like him, you learn to act like him, you learn to evaluate people the way he would, you learn to help people the way he would, you would be like him and you would be reflecting his character. But don't get discouraged. I mean, everyone goes through a process. Philip, for instance... He was the first one, the first disciple. Jesus would call directly and said, follow me. 
He was the very first one that heard the word from Jesus, follow me. But I always thought Andrew was the doubter. I always thought Andrew was the, was the one who would doubt Jesus and, and would actually go through the numbers and say, okay, this is, this is not going to work. This is not how it works. But you know, Philip was actually a doubter as well. And I just learned that recently. I was, I was running, running about, uh, reading about his life. You remember when Philip came to Nathaniel? Nathaniel was praying and, and he came on to Nathaniel and said, Hey, we have found the Messiah. We found Christ. I said, where? Where, where did you find him? He said, oh, well, he's from Nazareth. Jesus Christ from Nazareth. It's interesting because when you see Philip dealing with Jesus... And when you see Jesus dealing with Philip, you will see that Jesus is addressing his doubtfulness in every part of the Bible where it describes their interaction. He did not say he's the Savior. He said, well, th that's why Nathaniel says from Nazareth, can something good come out of there? He even led him to at some point doubt. When the Greeks came to seek Jesus' counsel, and they tried to get into Jesus' circle. The one person they approached was Philip. And when they approached Philip, they said, we want to speak to Jesus. We want to have a, a meeting with him. We want to talk to him. Philip, and instead of taking them straight to Jesus, where did he go? He went to Andrew. He said, hey, they're looking for Jesus. Why wouldn't he take him to Jesus directly? He could have done that. He was the same disciple. He was the same as Andrew. When Jesus is feeding the 5,000 and Jesus directly portrays the need before his disciples and says, you fit them. Do not let them go like that. You serve them food. The first person Jesus comes to is Philip. And Philip says, well, with 200 denarii, we wouldn't be able to do anything here. What are you talking? Philip. And I'm sure we all are somehow like Philip at some point. Without God. We have our moments where we just want to fix things the way we know how to fix them. And it is just hard to depend on his word. But even though he was a doubter as well as what we have learned from Andrew sometimes. Jesus called him. Jesus called that doubter because he saw in him someone that could change if he was to spend time with him. Meaning that Jesus is not calling all these perfect people because they are good already. Jesus is calling all these broken people because he can fix them. And that's you and I. When Jesus says that he appointed the twelve so they could be with him, it's because he knew their biggest need was the doctor's hand. And in order for them to get fixed, they will have to stay closer with him. Talk about John, the son of thunder. People say that when you would hear John talking, man, you would have to put your, your ears with some earbuds or cover them up. Because he was just loud and wild. To the point when people in Decapolis didn't accept Jesus' visit, he even said, do you want us to pray so Elijah can send some, like Elijah, so we can send some fire over the city? Want us to destroy? We can fix it right away. Would you put a person like that as a leader of a church? As a leader of a business? 
someone that fixes things just with the snap of a finger saying, well, you don't work. Okay, we'll cut you off. Forget it. You're done. I mean, we have had bosses like that before. I mean, I'm sure you, you, you dealt with people like that, but it's just hard to see them leading. But the Bible says that he became a master of holiness. Listen to the word. Master of holiness. And of all of them, the Bible describes them as, 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 as leaders who were transformed by the power of God, by being connected with him. But of John, the beloved the disciple, the Bible says that he was transformed in such a way that he allowed God to change his heart to the point that now we read John and all we see is love in his letters. This young fellow that was able to, to call him fired so people could be destroyed now has changed his mind, his way of thinking to love one another as God has loved us. How can we see these changes happening? And, and, and of course, I think about myself. And when I see myself, I say, Lord, but I am a doubter. I, I tend to criticize. I judge people. Why would you want to spend time with me? But that's the grace and the, and the mercy of our God. Jesus willing to call each one of us by name. In despite of your condition or your happiness where you are. He is calling you as well. And the reason why he is calling you is not for you to be a leader, to be an elder, to be a teacher. Yes, you will develop all those beautiful talents eventually and you will put them at service. But your main responsibility is to be with Jesus. I want you to please think hard on that. Because sometimes we get this twisted. And we believe that by being on the board, by working here, by serving there, by providing all these good things, by offering, by giving my tithe, by returning time, by being at the church. I was part of the potluck committee. I was always helping but we forget to spend time with Jesus. None of that works. And I have to be very honest with you. But that group would be the group that would say before to, to, to the Lord. On his second coming. Lord in your name. We did all these wonderful things. We visit people. We, we, we pray for, for, the, for, for the worry. We help the hunger. We clothe the, the orphan. And Jesus will say, I do not know you. Remember, the word is, I do not know you. It's not like I haven't seen your acts or your works. It's not like those works haven't been noticed. No, it's I just don't have a relationship with you. I cannot bring you with me to where I'm going to be. You remember John chapter 14, verse 1 to 3? Do not get your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In the house of my father, there are many rooms, many mansions. But I go there to prepare a place for you. So that you would be with me where I am. Are. And, and you know, when Jesus comes, the main focus is not on what you did, how lovely you preach, how many doctrines you could recite, how many Bible verses you learn, how many Sabbath schools you were able to teach. That's not the point. The point is, were you spending time with me? 
Did you have a relationship that we became one? Because the answer is, I do not know. I wish I could bring you with me. I wish I could open heaven for you. But I don't know you. And if I don't know you, how are you going to mingle with an estrange, a stranger? How are you going to mingle with someone that you have no connection to? And the second responsibility and privilege he gave to his disciples, he sent them out to pray. There is no higher calling for you and I than to preach the word of God. There is no better work in this land than to share with others what Jesus has done for you. I mean, you could have a nice CEO title and you could be running the biggest 500 companies and, and you could be the leader, but none of that compares To share what God has done in your life. All that we do here on this earth. Are just excuses. For us to use them. To share God's love. Whether you're a doctor. A teacher. An engineer. Whatever you do. Where you work in a, in a, in a lumber place. A, a mill. Or. or Anything you move around yourself, yes, you have that tag, that title, but underneath it says, sent out to preach, a follower of Christ. What a privilege. What, what an awesome responsibility. What a grace. Sometimes we talk about having faith on Jesus, but can we talk about Jesus having faith on us? The angels would give everything to have that opportunity. But it was given to you and I. As Jesus is preparing himself to establish the church and the movement that will prepare a group of people for his second coming. He calls on 12. And I just don't have the time to go over each one of the disciples. But you know them. And you can see, you can see Philip. Later on in his ministry, becoming one of the leaders and the deacons of the church, organizing the church, serving the community, taken by the Spirit to baptize. You remember when he went onto the eunuch as he's driving on his, on his car and, and he gets to be with him and he talks to him and he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch says, well, how would I understand it? Nobody explains it to me. A different Philip now. The one being transformed by the power of God. Was able to baptize him. And then the Bible says the spirit took him. Wow. Teletransportation. We didn't have the technology we have nowadays. But they were able to do things that we cannot do. Still. The wondrous work of the Holy Spirit. Transforming the heart of human beings. This is our opportunity You're not called to be here to serve the pastor or the leaders or the elders. You're called here to be with Jesus. Amen. And if at some point you have missed the mark, you have lost your calling, you felt that you were distracted or somehow you felt that you knew everything, but you forgot this point, let me tell you, this is your day. 
to start all over again. This is your day to click the reset button and say, okay, now, Lord, I've understood. It wasn't about the titles. It wasn't about coming to church to to become so-and-so. It wasn't about getting the recognition of people. It wasn't about having followers behind me. It was about being with you. And if you come to that recognition, I want you to tell God, Lord, call me once again. Let me be with you. For the ones that came unto him, he did not send them out. He did not disperse them. He did not reject them. What a wonderful God we have. Who up till today is still waiting patiently for his church. To not be running around trying to set up programs and events and calendars. But to stay still and say, Lord, here we are. We want to be with you. How often do we miss that? And we try to organize everything around, but we forget to be. You remember Martha, right? Trying to get everything ready, but forgot the best part, which was to be at Jesus' feet, listening to his words. This is the calling God is giving you today. Whether your agenda is full of technology, whether globalization is hitting your, your door, whether diversity is challenging you as, you as you try to reach out to others, but then you see someone from a different culture, from a different background, and you knock on yourself and you say, well, how can I say to them that Jesus loves them? Let me just tell you, as you spend time with Jesus, He will give you the tools and resources to go out and preach. It's not about the methodology. It's not about the ways, the five key elements. Don't forget that. It's about being with Jesus. And the more time you spend with Him, the more you will understand that the world needs lovely people that are willing to share love with them. Now, someone has said, Pastor, what about prophecy? I love prophecy, and I have no problem with prophecy. And all the messages that our church has, they all are powerful, and they all are important. But our main objective is to be with Jesus. And allow people to see him. So they may be changed and transformed through his character and likeness. So church family. This is the calling God has given you. This is the message God has for you. He called unto himself twelve. That they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach. I want to be part of that group. I want to be with Jesus. I sometimes forget and I try to be with the leaders, the boss, the one who has the most influential uh, criteria. But Jesus has been waiting for us all this time alone. When are we going to sit at his lap to learn from him? When you look at the disciples, Jesus is dealing with a group of men who even at the last week, there in John chapter 14, 15, 17, they are still dealing and, and wondering. Now we saw it at the lesson this morning. Who's the greatest? In fact, Judas has said he was going to sit on the right hand and John was going to sit on the left hand. It was a huge argument there. It was, there was problems there, which I'm sure we all get to see him often in our own community. But it is time for us 
to forget about who's the greatest, who brings more, who brings less, who has the biggest title here, who has the biggest house. Forget about all that. It's about coming to Jesus and spending time with him. May God bless you this Sabbath. And as you spend your hours, and as you spend the hours he has given us, take the time. Go away if you need to go in the park or go in the forest or go somewhere. But please, make sure you get to spend time with him. This is the greatest need we have as a Christian community, as a church, as a, as a human being. Our highest calling to be with Jesus and to preach his word. May God bless you this Sabbath. Have a wonderful day.